Now, now speaking of that, I'm excited to continue with our revival speakers and you're in for a treat tonight. Faith Cho preached to our students last night and it was a powerful time. She is here, her husband Dave is on the front row. They're church planners and I have a heart for church planners. They started a church just when, get, get this, March of 2020. What a time to start a church. I'm telling you, the gates of hell cannot stand against the church of Jesus Christ. It's gonna move forward. It's gonna move forward. They planted this church in New Jersey. I want you, come on, North Church, to give a great big welcome right now to Faith Cho as she comes to preach the Word of God. You may have a seat. Um, I shared with our young friends yesterday that this is my first time in Oklahoma City. My first time. And y'all are the first church I've ever visited in Oklahoma City, so you know I will remember you guys, uh, hopefully for a really long time. But I will tell you why I will remember you guys forever. I got stuck in the pastor's bathroom last night. Ten minutes before service started. I have not seen that much panic amongst uh, youth staff, I don't know, since forever. And um, I will forever be a part of this church's history because of this. I'm not even gonna tell you the details because I want those details to snowball into a legend. Um, And I'm just gonna give you, that's just one of my gifts to you. Hopefully, by the next time I come back here, it's going to be the wildest story I've ever heard um, because it turned into that. Uh, It is such a joy to be here. Uh, Both my husband and I are here, and we rarely get to travel together. So thank you so much for inviting us both. Before we start, um, I don't typically do it like this exactly. I usually try to obey the, the order of program, but I would love for us to start off with prayer. Is that all, if that's all right? And if you will with me, before we acknowledge anything that I say, I would love for us to just acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit that is here. So if you will close your eyes with me. And let's just take a moment to adore him. Lord Jesus, all of this is for you. You are the reason, you are the reward. Holy Spirit, I just pray that if anyone is distracted, that they will be filled with peace. I pray for the one that is burdened today, I pray for the oil of gladness and those that may feel far from you. I pray for a spirit of revelation and wisdom to be upon us. Jesus, we want you. Give us the grace to know you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
Charles G. Finney, who is known to be the father of modern revivalism, has once said that revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. Leonard Ravenhill once said, revival is a spirit's passion within the believer to know and to obey the total will of God. Vance Hanover once said, a revival is the church falling in love with Jesus Christ all over again. Christmas Evans, who is known as the one-eyed Welsh Baptist preacher, said revival is God bending down to the dying embers of a fire that is just about to go out and breathing into it until it bursts again into flame. Revival is also asked for and called for in the Bible. Psalm 85, verse six. Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Habakkuk, chapter three, verse two, says, Lord, I have heard the report about you. Lord, I stand in awe of your deeds. Revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years. In your wrath, remember mercy. But it's not that easy, is it? It's easy for us to be here in this beautiful sanctuary, which is goals, to be honest, for a church planter like me, just claiming everything as I go in the name of Jesus, you know? Claim it in Jesus' name, right? It's really easy when the beautiful music turns on and the lights are just right for us to want revival. Yesterday, I mentioned to our young friends about James 4.8 that if you draw closer to God, God will draw closer to you. Now that is a promise, but if you've lived a little longer, you also know that just because you have hunger for God doesn't necessarily give you a straight pathway to God all the time. It could get messy. Sometimes you get disappointed. Sometimes you fail. Sometimes you get underwhelmed by what you experience. Sometimes you lose. And you may wonder, what is the point of praying to God and seeking Jesus with all my heart if things don't change right away afterwards? I wanna share with you, when I, uh, in 2019, I was a youth pastor at that time. And I don't know, I just came out of this season where I was like, 2019, oh no, no, excuse me, not 2019, 2009. Huge difference, 2009. 2019, I was married with children. 2009, I was not. 
So it'll help paint this picture because basically I was a youth pastor in San Diego earning about $1,100, $1,200 a month. My rent alone was $750. And I was in Southern California where gas is gold, you know? And so, and I had no friends there. It was just me and the youth ministry. So I told myself 2009, that I will pray as long as it takes every single day until I have more of God. I ordered a guitar off of Amazon that was $25 and it was pink. (laughs) And I learned chords online on Google to try to worship on my own in in my room. And y'all, let me tell you, I started off 2009 telling the Lord, I will do whatever it takes. I will fast, I will pray, I will wait, because I, I want more of you. Because, you know, it bothered me that the things in the Bible were not happening in my life. So are we being oversold here? Like, are, is, there, you know, is God being overly advertised? Or is this, the truth, and I wanted to experience it for myself. Let me tell you, I was rolling on the ground. My roommate started to spend less time in our apartment because she's like, this woman's crazy. I started to light candles, hoping that would just draw the Holy Spirit my direction. I mean, I started to have post-its all over my walls of all my prayer requests and eventually it started to look like a scene from the beautiful mind, you know? And I just, I was fast. I I started to get rid of all my like secular media. I had like a whole thing of um, Friends back then, DVD was a thing. I had the whole 10 seasons of Friends on DVD. I threw it away in the name of Jesus. Like I'm just like, my eyes will not look at anything that doesn't give you glory, you know? And I, I just did all of that. And you know what it did? The next three months were probably the hardest months of my life or some of the hardest months. Of my, I have had harder months, but some of the harder, hardest months of my life. I started to have panic attacks, actually. I've never had panic attacks in my life, but I started to have panic attacks. I started to have demonic dreams. You know, I would have conflict at church Kids that I would pour into started to hate me. You know, and I remember thinking, well, what's the point then? God, are you, are you testing me? Are you, are you testing me to see how much I want it? Because then I started to feel like you're not a good God then. I thought I was your child, not a beggar. So I just didn't understand. Okay, what is the pathway to revival here? It's hunger alone enough. And that's why I wanna go into 2 Samuel chapter six, verse one to 16, because King David was very familiar with what this sort of experience was like. His was probably more intense, but here we go. 2 Samuel chapter six, verse one to 16, this is the word of God that says, David again, brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Bala in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name. 
and the name of the Lord Almighty who was enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Usa and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Usa reached out, took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Usa because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Usa. And to this day, that place is called Perez Usa. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the, king, to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Now, David's intention, his vision, if you will, was to build a nation. Perhaps in our context, we could see it as building a church centered on the presence of God. Now, that's a really good thing, right? That's a good vision. First Chronicles 13, verse three, it says, then let's bring back the ark of our God, for we did not inquire of him in Saul's days. So David was thinking, hey, we, we got it wrong here. We, we're not a nation that depends on God. So let's go get this ark, which was a box filled with some important trinkets in Israelite history. But it also, the reason why it was important was it, it carried the presence of God. It stewarded God's presence. And people accessed the presence of God through the ark. Now, so this is a good thing. So then you see everything that he did. He got 30,000 able young men to carry this one box. I'm gonna repeat that again. 30,000 able young men. It was that important to add those details to the story. Basically 30,000 of men that look just like my husband, basically. <laughs> just like able young men. Right? New cart. It wasn't just a cart. It was a new cart. The best of the best 
to accomplish this vision. He got Usa and Ahio, which were, who were sons of Abinadab, and the ark was in Abinadab's house. Makes sense, logical, because these were men that probably grew up around the ark of the presence. Makes a lot of sense, he's using some wisdom there, some very good planning there. And it also says in 1 Chronicles 13 that he consulted officers and commanders of the thousands. So he got, he got consulting, like he got, he wasn't trying to be prideful. He got some good, solid advice from men of influence. You know, he's trying to, he's not just trying to do his own thing. He's trying to do it together with the people. So this is good planning. And in 2 Samuel 6, 5, it says, they did it with all their might. And yet they failed. Someone died. Israel was rejected, or so it seemed. The formula didn't work. Now, when I say formula, everyone here has a formula with God. We don't know it yet, though. Some of you know it, but some of you don't. Thinking, oh, if I show up on Thursday night revival, I'm going to be revived. If I pray really hard over my business, it's gonna be fruitful. If I fast about this, then exactly what I'm praying for is gonna happen. And we have this formula. David's formula was let's give him a new cart. 30,000 able young men. And it did not work out. It was a failure. It was a loss. And it was disappointment. How did David respond to this disappointment? Very much like how we would, typically. He just left the box at somebody's house. Can you imagine if you're Obed-Edom? Like, knock, knock, hey, whoa, 30,000 able young men looking really scared. Can we leave this? Can we leave God at your house? Why? Why don't you want him? He killed one of our guys. You know? Okay, come on in. Like, I mean, can you imagine how disappointed David must have been to just ditch it? Ditch the mission. Walk away from God. Three months. Now, for some of us, it doesn't look as extreme, but you may have been disappointed because a prayer was not answered the way that you had hoped, and so you stopped praying. Although you believe that God is a healer, he may not have healed, and so you stopped believing in healing. You may have experienced God as joy at one time, but you've been in a season of grief. So you stop worshiping. We, we respond to disappointment as if it's God denying our requests for revival. But is it? Disappointments can feel like a barrier to the things of God. But with faith, it could be a pathway into revival, into the deeper things of God. So I want to unpack disappointment here. 
Okay, I wanna unpack disappointment. Okay. I usually don't tout my own words and toot my own horn, but the next line's good. It's a killer, so I hope you remember it. Okay. Disappointment is a result of misinterpreting the mystery of God's ways. I'm gonna say that again. Disappointment is a result of misinterpreting the mystery of God's ways. When I say mystery is when what you know of God is not what you're experiencing of God. When you know God is good, but he doesn't feel good. When you know he's a comforter, but you're not feeling any sort of comfort. When you, you've been singing you Jehovah Jireh, you know, all that stuff, and then you look at the bill, and you're like, um, I don't know, I don't know if he's enough. You know, when what you know of God is not what you're experiencing of God, and you're just like, wait, what is God? Who is God? And we experience this mystery of him. So when we do that, when we misinterpret the mystery, we think silence is rejection. We think waiting means abandonment. We think loss means that God does not care. So we look at what we do not understand and we put our own fleshly fallen narrative on it. There are blanks in the sentence, God. So let me fill it. You are a bad father. You have neglected me. You have walked away from me. You clearly don't care about my life. And so when we misinterpret the mystery, we fall into disappointment. But here's the thing about mystery. It's an open door to going deeper into the presence of God. It says in Isaiah 55, eight to nine, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So on Sundays, you, you know, if you are a, a Sunday type of gal, guy, you know, you're like, I tithed, my child goes to Sunday school and everything seems to work out fi- fine, but then an illness comes into my family, mystery. I've been faithful, I've been a faithful steward with my finances and I give generously. Bills and debt, mystery. We don't get it. And when we face that, we immediately think, no, this formula didn't work out. My thing with God is not real. And we think it's a rejection when actually God is opening a door and he's saying, come deeper, come deeper, come deeper. Because his ways are higher than our ways. You wanna know God more? Does anybody here wanna know God more? Then we have to be okay with mystery. You know, God is the only being and entity that we get offended that we don't understand. When you stargaze and you look into the sky, you're like, I don't understand how those dots got up there, 
but you're not offended. No, you know what you get? You get a telescope and you try to look farther. You, you get what I'm saying? Have you ever watched like Nash or, you know, Animal Planet and like Shark Week and then they talk about the deep blue sea? There's two places I will never go in is space and the deep blue sea. You know, it's just not my thing. I don't care for that mystery. But you know what we as humans do? We, we create stronger machines so that they could go deeper. And we pay money for it. People die for it. You know what I mean? Because we see that mystery and we go, ooh. I want to know more. I want to go deeper. But for some reason, when we run into the mysteries of God, we go, oh, he left me. This isn't worth it. I'm not showing up to church. I'm not listening to the pastor because I don't get it. We start, we start applying our own memories of, of the fallen experiences that we've had. And we try to just paint this picture of God. I guess you just don't like me, God when actually God is opening up the door and saying, I want you to know me more. I want you to know me better. You know, once, um, so my husband and I, we've been married 14 years. Not that long compared to a lot of people, but you know, a feat, you know? And you know, by now he knows literally everything about me. Like before, he knows what I'm thinking before I know what I'm thinking. Okay, but let me tell you, you wanna know and I didn't ask him for permission to share this, and I, I'm not used to being, him being here when I share this stuff, you know, but, you know, for the glory of God, right, babe? Okay. My first birthday, you wanna know what he got me, this man of God? By the way, he was 19 years old, so, you know, give him, cut him some slack. He got me an external hard drive. Mm-hmm. He saw that external hard drive from Best Buy and thought, that, that looks practical. That, you, that looks like it's got legs on it. Like it's, you know, it's, she's going to use it for a long time. Shows my commitment. You know, yeah, he's a good man. He's a good man, you know. Now, my reaction. He, he had a formula, you see? You guys get what I'm saying now? He had a formula. He thought, pay a lot of money for this external hard drive. Show her my love. And then our relationship's gonna go to another level. No. No. No, no, no. I, uh, you could just see it all over my face. I'm like, oh, my first birthday with him. What? Did that mean that I was rejecting him, or was it an opportunity for him to know me? You guys get what I'm saying? What if he saw that disappointment and was like, forget it, you are impossible to please, and I can't do it anymore. Or did he take it as an opportunity to know that she prefers a diamond necklace in the name of Jesus? You know what I mean? Like, was it an opportunity to know her? For us to be in like an intimate relationship, amen, hallelujah. It wasn't a rejection, it was an open door to the mystery. 
Because, you know, every time you start dating, the other person's going to be a mystery. And they will remain a mystery until they die, you know? <laughs> right? But every time you go through frictions like that, it's an opportunity to grow in deeper knowledge. But for some of us, we close the door on God so early because we think you left me or you don't answer my prayers or I guess you're just not real, God. You know what I mean? But what if God is answering your prayers through that disappointment? What if he's opening that door? Because let's go back to the story. David eventually realized in 1 Chronicles 15, 13 to 15, David realized upon further investigation, for the Lord our God burst out in anger against us because you Levites were not with us the first time. For we didn't inquire of him about the proper procedures. So the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. Then the Levites carried the ark of God the way Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord on their shoulders with the poles. So what did the second time look like? Number one, they realized God did not want a new cart. You know what's interesting though? You know who carried the ark with the new cart? The Philistines. So the Israelites were trying to do it like the Philistines were doing it. And they didn't realize that's not how God doesn't want to, that's not how God wants to do it. Sometimes we just think, wait God, I, I learned this from my coworkers. I'm just, I'm like the, my neighbor. I, I, I'm, there's nothing wrong with me, but, but why, why is this not working? And perhaps it's because God is not calling you to walk in the way of the world, but walk in the way of his name. David was so frustrated. He said, I gave you a new cart. And God was like, wait, that's good enough for the Philistine, but not for my children. Not for my children. For some of us, you may think, well, this is my best way. Perhaps it's time to go back into scripture and learn it God's way. The second time they tried, they scrapped the 30,000 able young men. Pity. And instead, they got the Levites. He got a smaller crowd of the called and the consecrated. They thought power was in the masses. They thought impact was in the ables, the muscles of able young men. They thought we could do this, we could accomplish this. They didn't realize that a smaller group of the called and consecrated was stronger than a crowd of 30,000 able young men. And you may be thinking, hey, you know, 
Like, I, I feel called. I feel called to serve in this way. But, you know, I don't know scripture that well. I, I, don't, I have a past. Or I, I'm just not holy enough. And let me tell you, like I said, God is not looking for the 30,000 able young men. He's not looking for the rich and the popular. He's not looking for the one that's been a Christian for 50 years alone. Although if that, if that's you, amen, hallelujah. <laughs> but he's looking for the called and the consecrated. Those that say, I am all yours, God. That's it. That's all God wants because God is not interested in our self-reliance. God is not interested in our independence. God wants our obedience and our dependence. And then the next thing that was different about the second time they carried the ark, it was abundant with worship, with sacrificial gratitude. Every six steps, they had to kill a bull and a calf. By the way, from Obed-Edom's place to the landing place of the ark, it was miles. You know how many cows that's, that must have costed? How many steaks? How many burgers have been sacrificed? And I mean, that's just me talking. Back then, one bull, one calf, was a lot. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting? The first time, they mentioned so many instruments. It was, it was illustrious. It was vibrant. It was well-planned and coordinated. But this time, it was bloody. Let me ask you, does your worship bleed? Does your worship bleed? You, know, you could come with your Sunday best, but you know what your worship, when your worship bleeds is when you still got bad news even after you prayed and you still say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And your child still hasn't turned to Christ even after all the prayers that you've prayed, but you still say, thank you, Jesus. You know, and you're still sick with the ailment that you fasted about, and yet you say, thank you, Jesus. You say, thank you, Jesus, as you cry alone on the bathroom floor. You thank Jesus when you're in the car ride in the parking lot outside of the church fixing your makeup because you cried all the way here. You say, thank you, Jesus, even after the separation, after the death, after the loss, after the bill, you say, thank you, Jesus. I'm not asking if your worship sounds good. I'm asking if your worship bleeds. Every six steps, they were just so grateful to be accepted by God. They, they killed two animals. And another six steps. Thank you, thank you, God, that you've accepted me. We don't need to kill an animal. Thank you, Jesus but we could look at the cross. And that is our sign that he's accepted us. 
You know, we could just have to look at the cross and say, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Does, does your worship bleed? And King David, he wasn't wearing a kingly robe. He humbled himself and was dancing in a priestly ephod. That's what worship is. True worship is when you throw pride out the door, right? You know what I mean? You know. You know as a measure, if you worshiped on Sunday, if you come home knowing you just laid it all out there and you didn't care what people thought about you. You know what I mean? Your makeup's all messy. You know, your shirt's a little wrinkly. You're sweating right here, you know? So you know, you, you, just, you did good, you did good. You know, you didn't care what people thought. When Pastor Rodney thinks you're crazy, that's when you won, you know? That's when you won. Because even Eli thought that Hannah was crazy when she was praying with all her heart, right? You know, just when you just don't care about who you're the boss of or who you're better than or who you, what, what you are, but you are just a worshiper before God. There is no room for another king when you're trying to usher in a king. And lastly... I want to make a note on Usa, the one that died. You know, when I read this story to my kids, they're like, that's not fair. He's just trying to be helpful, you know? Now, there's a, there was something really offensive to God about that moment because. Usa, like I said, was a son of Abinadab, meaning he grew up around the ark. He was familiar with God, but he did not know God. If he knew God, he wouldn't have dared to believe that his hands were cleaner than the ground. Some of us, we are familiar with God. We're familiar, you know, you know we know how it goes. We know, we know when to stand, we know when to clap, we know, you know, God is good all the time, we know all that. And we're like, oh yeah, another revival service, here we go. Easter coming up, there you go, wear your Sunday best. We're familiar. But do you know him? Do you know him? Even David had to ask himself, wait, I thought I knew God. And he, this disappointment made him realize he did not know God. Nobody knew God. They wanted to use God, but not know God. You know what I mean? Some of us, we want God's blessings, but we don't want God, and so we get disappointed. And when God doesn't give us what we want, we say, peace out, God. You know what I mean? And that's what they realize. Wait a second, we don't know God. You see, God was up to something. He was answering the desire of David's heart. It just didn't look the way David expected it to. It didn't look like immediate success. It didn't look like a feel-good thing that you could talk about the next Sunday. It didn't look like something that belongs on social media, and so he just assumed that it's not God. 
But actually, it was very much God. Because God does not work in our formula. We must live by abiding the presence of God and not our own expectations. And God will continually challenge us to forfeit our expectations. And so what is the result? They tried again and revival. The ark came to the center of Israel and David was dancing with all his might. And even at the face of criticism from his wife, he says, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. I will be humiliated in my own eyes. Because that's what revival does. Where we don't care what we look like or how we sound. You could be that kooky, weird church up the hill called North Church but happen to be very happy because they, something supernatural is happening here. But you know what we have to do? We have gotta move forward from our disappointment. We gotta to come to God with an even greater expectation than before, but with no agenda. Think, God, do it your way. Good, do it your way, Jesus. Not my way. And I'm gonna close with this, so if worship team could help me out. But um, so back to 2019. So what happened to that crazy girl that um, lost her mind trying to find Jesus rolling around on the ground and creating fire hazards by lighting candles on the carpet and all that stuff, singing with that off-tune Amazon pink guitar? I thought God rejected me because it was so hard during those first three months. Y'all, I was praying up to like four to five hours a day in the afternoon, and then some at night. I had no friends, so it was possible, you know? But that year, by the end of that year, the youth group tripled, not because they got more kids from different churches, but because kids were being saved for the first time. And then those kids were bringing their parents. And then the parents were saying, what's going on? The youth, they're finding Jesus. And something's happening. There's a wildfire and it's spreading because people are getting to know Jesus. I thought God, had abandoned me when actually God was answering me. We gotta just look at our disappointment and just know God must be up to something. You know what I mean? Gotta look at that loss. God must have been up to something. That negative test result the job that didn't work out, the house you never got to buy, the friend that never came back, the conflict that never resolved. God must be up to something. 
and I will not leave the ark. I will take this opportunity to get deeper into the presence of God. I refuse to be familiar, but I wanna say that I know him as a friend. I wanna say in the face of tragedy, my friend is up to something. And I will persevere because I'm not just hungry, I am hopeful. And I don't worship the God of my formula. I worship the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end, the ancient of days, the Prince of Peace. That is our God. And I may not understand why certain things happen the way they do. But I know that when I say that I will draw closer to God, He will draw closer to me. Today, I believe the Lord wants to propel you beyond your disappointment. He's reminding you of the ark that you stashed away, the prayers that you stopped praying for, the grief that may need to be unearthed before him one more time. Because he's saying, I do want to heal you. I have been healing you. I have been answering your prayer. I have been working on your child. I have been keeping an eye on your needs. Church, today it's time to stop allowing our disappointments set the agenda of our faith. Can we all rise? I'm gonna ask the worship team if we could just start off with the song, if that's all right. I just feel led, like, however the Lord is leading you, let's start off with the song in response to our God. And we're gonna go in. I believe the Lord is gonna do a deep work tonight. So if you will, to get into your posture of freedom, to be even more undignified than this, to go before the Lord. Go ahead. <laughs> 